dealing with unhealthy air quality. The smoke is expected to move east. Severe weather is creating issues at airports ahead of the 4th of July holiday weekend. This traveler is finding it hard to find a place to stay during the delays. We just spent $400 for a hotel for a night, and now, you know, no hotel vouchers. Coming on the heels of yesterday's issues, more than 4,600 flights have already been delayed or canceled so far today. An IRS whistleblower is defending his claims Hunter Biden got special treatment from the Justice Department in his tax case. IRS investigator Gary Shapley told multiple news outlets this week the U.S. attorney investigating the president's son was blocked from bringing charges outside of Delaware and did not have full control of the case. An investigation is underway after a man opened fire, killing a Nepalese guard in front of the U.S. consulate in Saudi Arabia. Reports say the gunman was also killed. A spokesperson for police in the region said a person got out of a car near the building with a gun in his hand with the exchange of fire resulting in his death. Wall Street is closing with stocks mixed. Liz Warner reports. This comes after Fed Chairman Jerome Powell said there's an increasing likelihood of more interest rates happening in the future. Powell made the comments at the European Central Bank Forum in Portugal. At the closing bell today, the Dow Jones Industrial Average lost 74 points. The S&P 500 fell one point and the Nasdaq gained 36 points. Former President Trump is suing E. Jean Carroll for defamation after a jury found he abused and defamed the former magazine columnist. You're listening to the latest from NBC News Radio. Located in the heart of San Bernardino, California, the Teamsters Local 1932 Training Center is designed to train workers for high-demand, good-paying jobs in various industries throughout the Inland Empire. If you want a pathway to a high-paying job and the respect that comes with a union contract, visit 1932trainingcenter.org to enroll today. That's 1932trainingcenter.org. One of the best ways to build a healthier local economy is by shopping locally. Teamster Advantage is a shop local program started by Teamster Local 1932 that has brought together hundreds of locally owned businesses to provide discounts for residents who make shopping locally their priority. Everything from restaurants like Corky's to fun times at SB Raceway and much, much more. If you're not currently a Teamster and you want access to these local business discounts, contact Jennifer at 909-889-8377, extension 224. Give her a call. That number again is 909-889-8377, extension 224. Are you underpaid and overworked? Is a living wage and employee benefits like affordable health care more of a dream than a reality for you and your family? If so, it's time to form a union. Don't be denied the wages and benefits you deserve. Come together in a union with the power of numbers. A union is not a privilege. It's your right, and it will make a difference. Contact Teamsters Local 1932, a powerful and successful labor union in San Bernardino, by visiting Teamsters1932.org backslash organize to start today. 
Labor unions killed the middle class, and the middle class built America. That's the message from Teamsters Local 1932, a strong and successful labor union based in San Bernardino that represents over 14,000 hardworking people across the Inland Empire. The Teamsters are ready to help you organize for better pay, increased benefits, and improved working conditions. Reach out to Teamsters 1932 at teamsters1932.org backslash organize to speak with an organizer today. Rick Smith. And welcome, brothers, sisters, working class heroes. This is the Rick Smith Show. Thanks so much for being here today on the big program. Lots to get to, lots to talk about. Had a president traveling to Chicago. Uh, big speech, big speech on the economy. Bidenomics, now the uh, the buzz of the town. And look, uh, I give the president credit about time. I think he's been listening to the show. Uh, got to go out there and, and tout what you're doing. Got to talk about what you're doing. Got to got to show the successes. I know there are a lot of people out there going, you know, this is going to, when history looks back, this is going to be, you know, the, the, one of the most consequential presidencies, you know, in, in, in our lifetime because of, you know, all the things that he's doing and all the, all the work that Jelly Bucket Joe's showing up and doing. You got to get out there and, and talk about it. Yeah, that, that's the future. This is the now. And the now is, well, Builder Biden came out and, and talked about it. Look, you know, my economy. Middle, middle out, bottom up. We're going to help working people. And as he said, look, the reality is he came out. He said, I meant what I said when I said I was going to be the most pro-union president in American history. And I make no apologies for it. Music to the ears. This is one of those things where you go, you know, Joe, keep it up. Get out there. Tout the horn a little bit. Toot the horn a little bit. And, and what this really sets up is. And this is what I've been talking about for a while. So when people go, hey, do you think Biden's doing a good job? I go, yeah, absolutely. He's moving us away from 40 plus years of supply side voodoo Reaganomics and bad neoliberalism. He's moving us in a direction where working people actually, I don't know, maybe have a shot. And their government actually gives a tinker's damn about them. So for me, this is that kind of, and maybe it's just being a little wonky, but it's the difference between what we've been struggling and suffering under Reagan forward. And we'd even argue, argue Carter forward uh, with the, the, all the neoliberalism and the, the bad trade deals and you know, all the, this tax fetish stuff into, a, into a, a time where we're going, look, we're going to support working people. We're going to support you know, people who show up and punch the clock and work hard. They should have an opportunity to get ahead. And as, as he said in his speech, when we invest in our people, when we strengthen the middle class, we see economic growth that benefits all Americans. That's the American dream. And 40 years of trickle down limited that dream just to those at the top. And, you know, this is my speech. This is what we've been talking about here. Well, for, yeah, let me check the watch. All 18 years I've been doing this show. Uh, now he points out Bidenomics is working. Things are going in the right direction. He points out that the U.S. has had the highest economic growth among the world-leading economies since the pandemic. He said we've added over 13 million jobs, more jobs in two years than any president added in four years. And he said that's no accident. 
And here it is. Bang. That's Bidenomics. And, and it is. I mean, this is one of those things where Biden's approval rating should be through the roof when you look at what's actually gotten done. Now, here's, here's the thing. You know, there was an interesting column uh, over at the New Republic where a guy asked the question, why isn't Biden more popular? And the reality is on the left, a lot of people need a lot of things. There's a, there's a lot of stuff. There's a list of, I say this to my wife all the time. Uh, I've got a I've got a honeydew list so long that you know I got a thousand things I'm not going to get to today. Uh, I'll get to some stuff, not going to get to the rest. And this is what what the what liberals, the left Democrats have to deal with because there's a list of you know 50, 60, 100 things that people want. You know, education, housing, healthcare, infrastructure, you name it. It's got to be exhausting. But you look at the other side. You know, Republicans, cons, they they're really two things: uh, cut my taxes and punish people I don't like. That's pretty simple. And and look, I love the guy over at the New Republic for saying that because it's true. And this is one of those moments where, you know, Democrats you gotta get out there and support Joe Biden. This is one of those things where you, you when someone says, well, what's he done? Um, shall we start and, and give the lecture? The fact that we got something coming out of the pandemic to help families get through it. Uh, the American Rescue Plan that, that helped families get through the pandemic, stay on their feet. That was big. The Inflation Reduction Act, the, 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 the uh, infrastructure bill. This is big stuff. Fundamentally changing. Fundamentally changing our economy in, in good ways. Ways that we've been, I've been calling for for years. Now, it's interesting. I got an email recently from John in Santa Fe. And John says, Rick, you asked what policies Republicans have proposed to help working people. And John lists a couple of things. John says Republicans fight for tax cuts to reduce the burden on individuals. He says Republicans fight for deregulation to reduce government regulation and job-killing regulations. Talking points. He said Republicans want to unleash businesses and give them more flexibility. Uh-huh, I, I get that, and I, I don't disagree. Uh, Republicans fight for right-to-work laws to protect workers from greedy unions. Um, yeah, this is, this is a Republican thing. This They believe somehow uh, passing this, this no rights at work that comes with no rights and no work benefits them. Not quite sure how John figured this out, but this is what they think. And he says Republicans fight for trade deals. Uh, we support free trade agreements that give businesses access to larger consumer bases. And he said, uh, these are fundamental to our capitalist system. Maybe if you got on board, you could earn those higher wages you keep demanding. No, none of that stuff leads to higher wages. In fact, we've been doing all of that stuff for 40 plus years because that, that my friends, that is Reaganomics. That is what George H.W. Bush coined supply-side voodoo Reaganomics. Even H.W. didn't buy it, sold his soul to be vice president, but even he didn't buy the economic scheme. And what was voodoo Reaganomics? Massive tax cuts. Completely wrote, rewrote our tax code to give billionaires and big corporations more. You know, when he took office, the top marginal tax rate in this country was 70%. So if you made like $2 million, that dollar over 
over 2 million was taxed at 70%. He took that all the way down to 28%. And you wonder, gee, how did we get a billionaire class? How did we go from having three certified billionaires on the Forbes 400 list to now more than 400? To, I think we're at like 12, 1500 now. How do you think that happened? Massive redistribution of the tax code. We gave the wealthy all they wanted. And why? Well, because we believed, we were sold this idea that they were going to use the money in a way that would benefit us. And that by giving it to them, they would they would use it to, to build you know big factories and all this stuff. And that that would then trickle down. And it would, it would come to raining down on us like rivers of gold and honey. And it was going to be magical. It's going to be amazing. And all it did was create massive inequality, the kind of inequality that we hadn't seen since before the Great Depression. They push for more deregulation. And how much, how long have we been hearing about deregulation? We've got to cut those job-killing regulations. Well, what about the people-killing lack of regulation? How about you, Texas? When do we get to enough? When does it, uh, never, that's the thing. You know, <laughs> Um, he, he, Reagan pushed for monetary policy to squeeze inflation down to nothing. And that's great. Okay, inflation doesn't go up. But what does he do simultaneously? He attacks labor unions so that, they, so that wages don't even keep up with the diminished inflation. And since Reagan forward, we have had deadline and declining wages for working people because of, well, guess what? Trade policies. Because where did NAFTA come from? I know everyone loves to blame Bill Clinton, and I do too. But NAFTA was birthed under Reagan. The idea came out of, out of our, well, <laughs> out of Bonzo, fully negotiated under H.W. Bush and signed under Clinton. It's a bad idea. It was against it from the beginning. Terrible. But this is what supply-side voodoo Reaganomics got us. So you got massive inequality. You've got workers who wages are, are declining and, and jobs that are leaving the country because, well, we're promoting that now. All the while to pay for massive military spending. Now, again, we cut taxes incredibly, an enormous amount of tax cuts for the, for the very wealthy, while massively increasing our, our spending on military. In fact, you know, the, if those of us who were alive during that period, everyone remembers Star Wars. We were going to have this, this, you know, this shield, and there was going to be, it was going to be great. Now it was never functional. It was more of a scare attack. We were basically throwing money into a hole to force the Soviets to keep up, which inevitably break, uh, bankrupted them. But hey, hey, we we outspent them. But then what did we do? Massive generational debt and gutting of social programs. Again, kicking the kicking the poor, the least among us. And, you know, the reality is, is what, what happened during that era set the tone for the next 40 years. All of the bad ideas that came out of supply-side voodoo Reaganomics, all the bad ideas that came out of neoliberalism, we've been stuck with for decades. So I'm looking at this moment. I'm looking at Bidenomics. There's an opportunity here, folks. There's an opportunity to fundamentally change the next 40 years talking about buy American provisions in, in government procurement, 
saying, look, if we're going to spend money on EVs and we're going to spend money on, on infrastructure to help the next generation of, of automobiles, they got to be made here. And they've got to be done with jobs that, that are sustainable, jobs that are going to support a middle class. And I hate that term middle class, by the way. Uh, I believe in, in a prosperous working class because we all punch a clock. We all, we all have to put food on the table, keep a roof over our heads. We're all trading time for dollars. I want to make sure that workers get the maximum dollar for their time. Just like corporate America wants to make sure that they get the maximum, maximum profit out of every moment of your time. And this is where I look at Biden and I look at the, the policies that they're moving, investing in, in good infrastructure, investing in things that we need here at home, reshoring manufacturing and changing some of that. Is it fast enough for me? No, it's never going to be fast enough for me. But again, like I said from the, the New Republic piece, You've got, you know, on the Democratic side, a hundred things that everyone thinks is the most important thing ever. And on the other side, you got two. Give me my, give me tax cuts and hate the same people I hate. So I give Biden credit. I thought the speech was excellent today. I thought the direction was good. I thought the fact that finally he's taking credit for something he's done is, is great. Now, got to get out there and sell this. Got to go out and start pointing at stuff. You know, like bridges in Philadelphia. You start going out there and pointing at stuff like roads in Dubuque. I uh, got to get out there and start pointing at stuff like, you know, roads in Milwaukee or, you know, bridges in Appleton or wh whatever is being built. Just point at that and go, you know, I did that. Take credit for it. Because, you know, you know, the Orange Menace, if it were him and got half of this stuff done, Boy, they'd be they'd be carrying him around on golden chariots and fe feeding him grapes. It's time for Democrats to, to stand up, speak out and, and defend this guy because he's doing a good job. I want to hear your thoughts, though. Email me, Rick at the Rick Smith Show dot com. Going to take a quick break. Right back. Stick around. You're listening to the Rick Smith Show. We're working people. Come to talk. We are AFGE, the American Federation of Government Employees. We represent 700,000 federal and D.C. government workers who are the vital threads of the fabric of American life. We support our nation's military. We take care of our nation's veterans. We protect our nation's borders. We respond to our nation's crises and natural disasters. We provide services to our nation's seniors. The American Federation of Government Employees. We work for America. The phone lines are open. Give Rick a call at 1-866-416-RICK. That's 1-866-416-7425. We are AFGE, the American Federation of Government Employees. We represent 700,000 federal and D.C. government workers who are the vital threads of the fabric of American life. We support our nation's military. We take care of our nation's veterans. We protect our nation's borders. We respond to our nation's crises and natural disasters. We provide services to our nation's seniors. The American Federation of Government Employees. We work for America. Welcome back to the Rick Smith Show. Now, here is Rick Smith.
So uh, yesterday, Liz Cheney, we used the Liz Cheney quote yesterday that uh, what we've done in our politics is create a, situ- a situation where we're electing idiots. And I got to tell you, I, I, I agree with her. You know, not a, not a Liz Cheney fan, not a Cheney family fan. But, you know, she's right. We have been electing idiots. And I, I saw this speech given by Illinois Governor uh, Pritzker. It was a commencement speech at Northwestern University. And he did a spiel on, you know, how do you spot an idiot? So I'm, I'm like, you know, I, I, I got to play. I got to play this clip of, of, of Pritzker. Uh, saying how how do you how do you spot an idiot how do you how do you come up with how do you find them uh, and here, here's Governor Governor Pritzker giving us the the what for the best way to spot an idiot look for the person who is cruel let me explain when we see someone who doesn't look like us or sound like us or act like us or love like us or live like us. The first thought that crosses almost everyone's brain is rooted in either fear or judgment or both. That's evolution. We survived as a species by being suspicious of things that we aren't familiar with. In order to be kind, we have to shut down that animal instinct and force our brain to travel a different pathway. Empathy and compassion are evolved states of being. They require the mental capacity to step past our most primal urges. This may be a surprising assessment because somewhere along the way in the last few years, our society has come to believe that weaponized cruelty is part of some well thought out master plan. Cruelty is seen by some as an adroit cudgel to gain power. Empathy and kindness are considered weak. Many important people look at the vulnerable only as rungs on a ladder to the top. I'm here to tell you that when someone's path through this world is marked with acts of cruelty, they have failed the first test of an advanced society. They never forced their animal brain to evolve past its first instinct. They never forged new mental pathways to overcome their own instinctual fears. And so their thinking and problem solving will lack the imagination and creativity that the kindest people have in spades. Over my many years in politics and business, I have found one thing to be universally true. The kindest person in the room is often the smartest. And here's the thing. I agree with with Governor Pritzker on that entirely. Um, The the kindest person is generally the smartest, the most compassionate person, generally the smartest and most willing to help others. And this is this is where this weird thing. And I liked his frame of weaponized cruelty, because I've said you've heard me say before for a lot of our Republican friends, for, for the Trumpites, for the MAGA, the Red Hats, the cruelty, the cruelty is the point. It's all about the cruelty in their policies, in how they treat people, especially when you're talking about the poor, when you're talking about marginalized communities, when you're talking about people who lack the power and the ability to stand up to them. They're bullies. And the cruelty is the point. So I thought what Pritzker had to say was was spot on and something that we've been talking about for a while. Uh, The idea of, of when you look at people who are cruel in their policies, when you look at people who are willing to literally take food out of the mouths of children, 
these are not people who should be in elected office. These are idiots. And as, as Liz Cheney said, we've done in our politics, what we've done is we've created a situation where we are electing idiots. Let's go to the phones. Got Alice on line one. Alice, how are you? Oh, I'm better than I was. I can talk now. Good to hear. Uh, I agree with what he said, and I agree with Liz Cheney, too. And, you know, it's very easy for anyone to destroy things and to be cruel and mean. That's the easiest thing to do. It's much harder to build things up and to create things. But we have to re remember, the Republican Party seems to have adopted this Anne Rand thing. And remember, her thing was, you trample on everyone that's weaker than you. And that the winner takes everything. And if we look at that and we trace it back, that actually can call the way back to that Puritan mindset. And I'm going to say it again out there for everyone listening. The Puritans were not the Pilgrims. They were not the Quakers. They were the ones who came after the Pilgrims and the Quakers, and they soon gained power because that's what they did. And they proceeded to persecute everyone, including the Quakers and the Pilgrims. But, you know, that's the Republican Party. It has become a cult, right along with this evangelical religion. It is a cult. Yeah. It's not a political party. It's not a religion. It's a cult. But have a good evening. Thanks, Alice. Appreciate it. No, I mean, look, as my grandfather always said, any idiot with a hammer can tear down a house. It takes a craftsman to build one. And what you're seeing right right before our very eyes is Republican policies, basically just a hammer. Uh, let's destroy everything, especially if it helps someone. If it helps someone in need, we got we got to destroy it. If it enriches the very wealthy and, and keeps the powerful happy that fill their campaign coffers, nice. Uh, but for, for working people, the heck with them. And, you know, Alice is right. I mean, you go back to the, you know, the Reagan 80s. You know, the one who dies with the most toys wins. Greed is good. You know, the heck with my neighbor. It's all about me. And we've been trained to think that way. And so, you know, when John earlier sends me this email, you know, am I surprised it's all of the talking points that we've had for the last 40 years? Am I surprised that it lacks the the imagination or the, the creativity to come up with other wording? No, because this is what we've been spoon-fed for decades to believe that this is this is this is the way it has to be and it doesn't and this is where i give biden credit we're moving again i'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you straight out not fast enough for me but we are moving in that direction to undo 40 years of horrible policy and i know i know someone's going whoa but you know joe biden was part of that yeah and here's that here's that thing where you go people can learn People can come around and go, yeah, this was a mistake. We should probably not do that anymore. Maybe, maybe we should pursue the policies, you know, from, from a different era or new policies to where working people actually have a shot. Because look, the reality is, and this is where, you know, the anger level could be increasing very soon. There's a lot of chaos in the workplace coming very soon. 
as AI and robotics grabs a hold of, of job after job and, and eviscerates them for working people, there's going to be a lot of problems. And we are going to need a strong social safety net to ensure that working people aren't left behind, like has happened in every transition throughout history. But I think we can be smart enough. I think we can be visionary enough to maybe not have it happen this time. I want to hear your thoughts. Email me, Rick at the RickSmithShow.com. Which side are you on? Bidenomics, Reaganomics. I'm Rick Smith, and this is Labor History in Two. On this day in labor history, the year was 1940. That was the day President Franklin Delano Roosevelt signed the Smith Act. Some initially dubbed it the Harry Bridges Law after the radical labor leader, long targeted by the FBI for deportation. Politicians claimed it was designed to prosecute fascists, Nazis, and communists. In fact, the Smith Act was first used to prosecute and convict Minneapolis Teamster leaders and supporters of the Socialist Workers Party recognized for their successful 1934 strike and radical leadership. Named after the Virginia Democratic Representative Howard W. Smith, it was originally titled the Alien Registration Act of 1940. In addition to mandating the registration and fingerprinting of resident aliens, it allowed for the deportation of those resident aliens who sought to overthrow the government by force. But the act also extended to those citizens who advocated the overthrow of the government by force or violence or engaged in the printing, publishing, or distributing of materials that advocated sedition. And it made it illegal for citizens to organize or belong to any association that engaged in such activity. According to historian Donna Haverty Stack, author of Trotskyists on Trial, Free Speech and Political Persecution Since the Age of FDR, the Smith Act was a peacetime anti-sedition law that marked a dramatic shift in the legal definition of free speech protection in America. The Minneapolis case shows how far the administration went to prosecute political dissent, even to the point of targeting the labor liberal left. The Smith Act served as a prime tool for the McCarthyite Red Scare, and it was used to prosecute more than a hundred communists and labor leaders. Finally, in a landmark 1957 Supreme Court case, Yates v. United States, convictions under the Smith Act were rendered unconstitutional. In Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, Humpty Dumpty scornfully declares that when I use a word, it means just what I choose it to mean. So what does woke mean? It's become the pet political aspersion that today's kooky right-wing hucksters hurl at liberals. But the hurlers would be whopper-jawed to learn that it was actually coined by and for progressives. Indeed, it admonishes people to be awake to the dangers posed by hate-filled bigots and reactionaries like, well, like today's right-wing extremists. Surprising historical tidbit. The first person reported to have used the word was Huddy Ledbetter the legendary black blues artist known as Leadbelly. Among his many classic songs was Scottsboro Boys, about nine black teenagers falsely accused in 1931 of raping two Alabama white women. As a black musician who traveled the back roads of the Jim Crow South, Leadbelly warned others to pay attention when in a viciously racist state. Best stay woke, he cautioned. But out of blind ignorance, blind arrogance, or both, today's adapters of the Jim Crow mentality have perverted common-sense wokeness into a verbal whip to lash African Americans, immigrants, Democrats, women, LGBTQ people, and all others they don't like. Pretty much everyone who looks, thinks, prays, and acts different from them. How kooky? 
they've declared librarians, science, Mickey Mouse, and Bud Light to be their evil enemies. Don't be woke, they bark, demanding autocratic, plutocratic, and theocratic laws to coerce compliance with their own retrogressive bigotries. This is Jim Hightower saying, bear in mind that this is no longer a fringe cult, but the mainstream of the Republican Party, including its top congressional leaders, presidential wannabes, and state officials. Actually, you can easily comprehend what these Humpty Dumpties really mean by their don't be woke war cry. Just substitute the word sane for woke. Welcome back to the Rick Smith Show. Now, here is Rick Smith. one 416 rick one 416 Want to hear your thoughts. Did you see the speech today? Did you see the president take a shot at, at Tommy Tuberville? Uh, I thought that was interesting. Uh, the dumbest guy in the Senate, uh, Tuberville, who voted against the infrastructure bill voted against investments in broadband in Alabama and across the country. And yet, yet happily, happily sending out uh, good tidings and happy wishes to Alabama. Going, Look at all the money we're going to bring in. Look at all the broadband we're going to have. Yay. I love the fact that the president tweeted out, see you at the groundbreaking. That, that's dark Brandon. Uh, that is... That is that is Jelly Bucket Joe at its finest. You know, just, hey, we'll see you at the groundbreaking. You know, we're getting the job done. We're doing the work. And, you know, as I, as I keep saying, you know, the, the fact of the matter is, is, yeah, maybe he's not the greatest orator. You know, the, the speech you could tear apart and look, the right is going to take every every hiccup, every every stumble, every stutter. They're going to take it and they're going to make a montage of it. And they're going to they're going to be really creative in attacking dark brandon but the reality is fact of the matter getting stuff done and i think that's what's really important here you know that broadband that that they're investing in is going to move us into the 21st century it's going to make us competitive it's going to give it's going to give families working families the ability to have the kind of internet that that you need in the 21st century yeah, I say this all the time, you know, for our little little shindig here, our Internet bill is almost 400 bucks a month. Which across the globe is just outrageous. Completely outrageous, completely out of out of bounds. But that's where we are. And I've said for a long time, we need to be treating. Internet access, broadband access. We need to be treating this as a utility like we do with electricity because it's that important. You cannot survive, thrive, and advance in the 21st century in America without, without Internet access and without good Internet access. You know, during the pandemic, we learned this. You know, as people were trying to figure out how to get their kids online to do schooling stuff, and even now after the pandemic is, is you know, somewhat over, they're still doing online stuff. And I don't know that you should have to sit at the parking lot of, of the local McDonald's or fast food joint to use the open Wi-Fi. There's something wrong with that. But this is where I come back to. These investments to the average working person, and this is where I, I say, look, 
know, take off the red hat and the blue hat for a minute. Think about the things that we need to be working on and investing in. Think about what it is we need to do as a country to move forward. When Josh Shapiro here in Pennsylvania said, you know, we're going to get this bridge reopened in two weeks. We're not going to have, you know, one of the main economic thoroughfares in this country choked for, for, for months. We're going to get this done, whatever it takes. And this is, this is a very American idea. This idea that we can do big things, we can, we can accomplish stuff. It's been a while since we've thought like this. It's been a while since we've, we've had a, a, a mission. And this is where I, I, want, I want Joe Biden to come out and, and talk about that in, in, in the frame of, of a mission. Bidenomics is great. The fact that we're train, changing the economic system in this country to benefit working people and to, and to care about them again, is fabulous. And every person who, who punches a clock and carries a jelly bucket should be on board. Every person who's sweating out the fact that, hey, I hope the kids don't get sick because we might go, go broke, you should be on the Biden bandwagon. You should be on build, Team Builder Biden. But again, we're, you, know, you, you think about where we are. It's all about the division. So when you start talking about it, we're going to reshore manufacturing. We're going to bring factories back to towns. You know, last October, we, we traveled through numerous states and we deliberately went to places that used to be. There used to be a factory there. That factory used to be the identity of that town. It used to create the jobs that was the driver for Main Street. And you go into these places and it's, it's tumbleweeds. It's people struggling just to hold on. Biden's talking about reinvesting in those areas. And they're moving on doing this. Now you go, I've got friends who go, well, you, you do know that a lot of that investment's going to the South. And, and look, I got a lot of problems with, with where it's going and how it's going. But we're, we're, we're reshoring manufacturing. We're creating these jobs. Now, I've had people say, but Rick, they're all going to be automated and all this. Look, if you don't produce, this is the bottom line. If you're not a producer country, you're a dependent country. And if we didn't learn that in the pandemic, I don't, I don't know how we, I don't know how we educate someone on that. If you looked at, at during the pandemic and the supply chain troubles that we had, the massive supply chain problems we had, and say we need to fix this, I, I don't know how to help you. If the red hat is squeezing your head so tight that the blood has stopped flowing and that you don't get that, I don't know how to help you. We have to leave you behind. And that's where the rest of us, the sane, the rational, who want a future for our children, who want a future for, for our, our kids and beyond, have to get on board with this. I, I love the fact that, that Biden is doing the stuff that he's doing. He's doing some of the things that I've been, I've been calling for for years. We do need to raise taxes on the ultra wealthy. We do need to deal with our trade, our trade problems. We do need to take on China. We do need to take on the, the kind of corporate greed that's put us in a situation where we're dependent on a communist country. These should be things that unify us. These should be the things that bring us together. At least that's, that's my thought. Uh, now, again, you know, I, I, I have, I've gotten communications from people going, no, no, you know, we're fine where we are. We need, we need cheap manufacturing so we can get cheap goods. That, that mindset that got us into the trouble we're in. 
So I'm in this spot where I look at what we're spoon-fed. For instance, and this blows my mind. Honestly, this, this really blows my mind. The big scandal today, made it on, on the F channel, made it all over the right-wing blogosphere, the big scandal you know, nobody really talked. None of them. Nobody on the right talked about the speech. Nobody on the right really talked about the contents of the speech and 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 what Bidenomics is doing to help rebuild a working, a prosperous working class. No, no. What we went after. <laughs> what the right decided was the most important issue. Was before Biden got on the chopper, evidently must have taken a nap. And or must have just gotten up or whatever but had marks on his face because evidently Joe Biden uses a CPAP machine. Oh my gosh. Can you believe this? Uh, never mind the fact that, you know, we're talking about how we're going to invest, you know, some $42 billion on broadband and, and infrastructure to help, you know, you know, businesses and communities. Never mind that. No, no, it's, it's, did you know Joe Biden wears a CPAP? <gasps> and I, I don't know why that's a problem. I actually don't know why that is a thing, considering, you know, most of the people I know are uh, have CPAP machines. Hate them. I hate the whole thing. But uh, this was the scandal. And my mind went to this weird place of, can you imagine? You know, I'm thinking, you know, you know 1941, thinking the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor. And I'm imagining today's media. I'm imagining the right-wing outrage candy machine. I'm imagining how they're going to deal with that. And my mind kept going to this place of, you know, never mind the fact that, that you know, Pearl Harbor got bombed. Never mind any of that. No, no. Uh, it's, it's, you know, FDR was, was standing with metal braces. That, that's, you, you know. You know that's where they would go. Because it has to be about, about division. It ha as I said a moment ago, the Republicans only, only want a couple of things. Tax cuts for rich people and to hate the same people as, as they do. And to, dis to destroy and divide. And So when I saw this story, I'm going, why is this a story? And again, it's, it's to show weakness. You know, and in, in, you know, I guess in their world, getting help medically is, I guess, now a weakness. Because still not sure why it's a story. Still not sure why that hit the news, but it did. I want to hear your thoughts. Email me, rick at the ricksmithshow.com. If you've got a question, comment, something on your mind, I want to hear it. 1-866-416-RICK 1-866-416-7425 right back after this the phone lines are open Give Rick a call at 1-866-416-RICK. That's 1-866-416-7425. I'm Rick Smith, and this is Labor History in Two. Oh, 
This day in labor history, the year was 1936. That was the day that the U.S. Congress passed the Walsh-Healy Public Contracts Act. The bill had been proposed by the Secretary of Labor, Francis Perkins. The act was part of President Franklin Delano Roosevelt's New Deal effort to combat the ravages of the Great Depression. The year before, the President and Secretary Perkins had faced a major setback in their New Deal policies. The Supreme Court had declared the National Industrial Recovery Act, part of the recovery plan, unconstitutional. The president and his team went back to the drawing board to develop new strategies. Secretary Perkins told the president, quote, I've got two bills locked in the lower left-hand drawer of my desk against an emergency. One of those bills became Walsh Healy. The act declared that any manufacturer with a contract of more than $10,000 with the U.S. government for goods or supplies had to abide by certain rules. They had to pay the prevailing minimum wage. They had to allow their employees to work an eight-hour workday and a 40-hour work week. They could not hire boys under the age of 16 or girls under the age of 18. Companies could not use prison labor, and the companies had to provide a safe and healthy workplace. This New Deal Act stood up under the scrutiny of the courts. Even more importantly, the act was a precursor to the Fair Labor Standards Act. The Fair Labor Standards Act was passed the next year, providing many of these same provisions to the general workforce. The Walsh-Healy Act remains in effect today, protecting workers who are employed by companies that manufacture goods for the U.S. government. Labor History in Two brought to you by the Illinois Labor History Society and The Rick Smith Show. For more information, go to laborhistoryin2.com. Listening to the Rick Smith Show, where working people come to talk. So, uh, Robert sent me an email with uh, an image from Robert Kennedy Jr. And thank you, Robert. I thought it was from Robert Kennedy Jr. himself first, because uh, I saw Robert and I saw RFK, and I, he sent me this image. Of, of a tweet that RFK Jr. put out. And uh, it said, join the movement to save our nation. Get the incredible Kennedy collection today and proudly stand with Robert Kennedy Jr. Every purchase fuels his fight for our families and a brighter future. Let's unite America. And you go, yeah, this is your standard campaign. You know, give us money here, buy our, 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 our T-shirt, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. The problem is, is the image. Uh, there is an image that they put <laughs> of, of a very attractive young woman, you know, carrying a coffee cup with a, with a white hoodie that says Kennedy 2024. And it, when I looked at it at first, you know, it didn't dawn on me. I'm, I'm going, OK, why are you sending me this? Uh, so so a young girl has a, a sweatshirt on that doesn't look like an actual sweatshirt that um that has this label on it looks like that this was a picture of a of a woman walking down thing that they slapped their logo on uh then i started looking a little bit closer and the background wording is uh cyrillic uh it's russian there are russian words behind her and you start looking at this stuff going that that's not a street it's not a street here and then, of course, my mind goes to this place of, well, of course, who else would be funding 
RFK Jr. There aren't Democrats who are on his side. Uh, and if there are, they're at the kook end of the, of the scale. Why would... Now, they deleted this. They hurried up and figured out what their error was, and they deleted it. But this is one of those things where you go, yeah, I get campaigns grab images, but I don't know. Shouldn't you... Yeah, fact check a little bit should you look a little bit just a little uh yeah it's well it is where we are uh some interesting news coming out of uh some polling and yeah i generally not a big fan of polling but this is a fun one uh civ civics survey uh out finds that 63 percent of women disapprove of ron DeSantis. uh not really a, a good sign uh, women don't like Ron DeSantis. Huh, I'm sure he's heard that his entire life. Uh, just 27% approve of him. This is not a good for, good for a presidential run. Because look, he he is who he is. He's a destroyer, and, and women know this. Uh, so I don't know that he's got much of a chance, because I think Trump is so far ahead at this point. Uh, indictments, yeah, that's going to hurt him a little bit. Convictions, maybe. But I think the Republican Party is so far gone that it's not going to matter. And you go, but Rick, you know, you never know. No, I think I know. And it's this this next bit that got my attention. Evidently, there's a a, a new book coming out. Um, and it's, it's one of these things where you go, we already knew this, but to have it come back out again, uh, a former Homeland Security, according to Newsweek, a former Homeland Security official in this upcoming book says that uh, Trump talked about talked about his daughter quite a bit uh, talked about her breasts talked about her backside and what it might like to what it might be like to have sex with her this is what this guy's claiming uh, remarks that once led John Kelly to remind the president that Ivanka was his daughter afterwards Kelly evidently retold the story and visible disgust said that Trump is a very, very evil, evil man. And, and again, this this isn't new to anybody who's known Trump. Uh, there there have been tons of these things on the view. Uh, he, he was talking about, you know, being attracted to his his daughter, who I think at the time was like 13. Uh, he, on the Howard Stern show, he said that if, if she weren't his daughter, he'd be dating her. There's all of these things. Why is this? This, is, this shouldn't even be a story. You know when this should have been a story? 2015. This is the kind of stuff that used to tank presidential careers. Uh, I think Gary Hart. Uh, Gary Hart could have been president, got caught with his pants down. Done. This guy gets caught with his pants down numerous times talking talking about incest. And, you know, yeah, yeah. who could have known? Who could have known? Who could have known he was so bad? Who could have possibly known that Donald Trump was, was you know, a liar and a, all, all the things that we now know he is? Gee, I, I wonder. Uh, and the folks over at Act TV put together a, a nice little montage of, of people who, you know, before Trump was president, actually, um, actually knew. Uh, so I'm going to play this little clip of, of a number of voices. Maybe you can pick them out. Uh, maybe you can find out who these folks are who who think Trump was not qualified to be president. Uh, uh, has has even read the Constitution, knows what's in the Constitution. A toxic mix of demagoguery and mean-spiritedness, 
and nonsense. I just cannot support Donald Trump. Donald Trump is a delusional narcissist and an orange-faced windbag. Donald Trump is a con artist. He doesn't know the difference between truth and lies. He lies practically every word that comes out of his mouth. I think he's a kook. I think he's crazy. I think he's unfit for office. Yeah, I mean, you know, here's, here's the reality. They, they all knew. They all knew. But, you know, interestingly enough, did nothing about it. Did nothing. Nothing. In fact, when he became kissed his behind, did everything they could. Lindsey Graham, you, you, you may have heard Lindsey Graham's at the end. He's kook. He's kook. Orangest nose of them all. And that's the part that gets me. You know, Glenn Beck knew. You didn't hear a lot out of him. Uh, Rick Perry knew. Where did Perry go during the four years of the, the Trump years? Rick, uh, Susan Collins. Oh, for never. I'm not even getting into Susan Collins. Rand Paul. Orange windbag. Marco Rubio was in there. Ted Cruz, which, you know, you know, when they say a liar knows a liar, Ted Cruz knows. And, of course, Lindsey Graham. So if those were your choices in the bingo of, 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 of horrible, you got them right. But this is the weird part of, of the story that we're in. Trump's still leading the Republican Party. He's still going to potentially be the nominee. Even with all of this stuff. Even with all of the, the, the court cases going on, all of the, uh, the indictments that are going to come and that are already out there, the faithful have bought into it. And why? As we've said before, there, there are people who, I, I look at my family, my family, the basket of deplorables, racist, homophobic, misogynistic, all of those things all on Team Trump because they believed he was going to do the things that Dark Brandon is actually doing. They believed that he was going to do the things that Joe Biden, that Jelly Bucket Joe is actually doing. They believed he was going to save factories. They believed he was going to invest in infrastructure. They believed he was going to revive the, a prosperous working class. They believed all of the things that Joe Biden is now doing. And look, Biden took a shot at that. In his speech, said, you know, they, they talked about infrastructure weeks. Uh, I've done an infrastructure decade. That is important. And come election time, and uh, you know, 24 is not that far down the road. Democrats, get your heads out of your behinds. Line up behind Joe Biden. Line up behind the policies. The ideas that are going to, the vision that's going to move us in the right direction. And honestly, do we want four more years of chaos? Think about how bad the four years under Trump was. And I know, I know, he owned the libs. Yeah, he, he, he owned the libs, all right. And look where it's got him. All the crimes he's committed, all the people who were on Team Trump. I look at, you know, the story came out today, uh, Sidney Powell, um, a federal court of appeals upheld the sanctions against Sidney Powell because she fi filed numerous baseless and frivolous lawsuits and, and allegations of uh, massive election fraud. You know, she was one of the people out there doing, doing the work. She was carrying the water and she's going to be screwed for it. 
John Eastman, who dreamed up the idea that, hey, we can we can we can overthrow democracy. We can throw the Constitution out, and just rip up that 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 old piece of paper and we can decide how elections are are, are, are decided. We can do that. And here's a new gimmick to do it. And now we find out that Rudy, Rudy Giuliani has been interviewed by uh, by the special prosecutor. And I, again, I don't know what Rudy's got to offer. I got to think America's mayor. I got to think he's 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 bearing his soul. Cuz he's broke and Trump ain't, ain't Trump's never come to anyone's rescue. Uh certainly not 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 four seasons Rudy. So I got to wonder what did Rudy bring to the table? Because if I'm Giuliani and I think about all the things that he did as a former federal prosecutor, I'm sure Rudy knows where this is going to lead and what kind of evidence they have. Um, the rat is jumping the ship. And this is one of those moments where, you know, why Trump is so worried is he's got a history of screwing people over. And there are people who are in, in real trouble. Rudy being one of them. So it'll be interesting to see what comes out of the leaky, leaky Rudy testimony. Because I think it, it, there's part of me that goes, it's poetic justice. You know, all the, all the, you know, that karma thing. After all of the horrible things that Trump has done. And look, I, as I've said from the beginning, I was not anti-Trump at the beginning. I didn't want him. I didn't vote for him. Thought he was going to be terrible. Thought he was going to be a criminal. Thought he was going to be the most de destructive president in our history. Thought he was going to commit the most crimes of, of any president in our history. And I was right on all of that. And he didn't need a crystal ball to figure that out. You just had to, had to pay attention to who Trump was. But I wanted him to succeed. I wanted him to do the things that, that my family believed he was going to do which is save those factories, bring those factories back, invest in our infrastructure, invest in the future. That's what I wanted. And yet what we get, we got criming, lots of criming. We got a soap opera, a horrible soap opera, almost unwatchable. And we got a whole bunch of idiotic tweets, misspelled, capitalized, bad grammar. Just makes you wonder. I know I don't want it again. That's why get behind Dark Brandon. Quick break, right back. Please do what you can to conserve energy. Conservation helps the grid. Extreme heat and deadly storms spread across much it's, of the U.S. The rail company says that so far no environmental impact has been detected. Train carrying hazardous chemicals derails into Montana's Yellowstone River. Plus, in a lot of spaces now, in many industries, you compete and you partner. More EV car makers adopt Tesla's fast charging standard. Trust Elon Musk? Why not? All of those stories and more straight ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent so green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley has a new plan to make the U.S. energy independent. We would stop controlling where they produce or how much they produce and get the EPA out of the way. We would roll back the green subsidies that have been put in place. Okay, no thanks. This is your Green News Report. All right, Desi Doyen over in the GOP primary for 2024. They are already competing about who can destroy the environment more. Yep. 
Going to be a fun year. What do you got for us today? Well, first of all, as we go to air, the persistent, brutal heat wave walloping Texas is entering its third week, and forecasters say it is expanding to other states, affecting two-thirds of Americans, generating deadly storms and tornadoes, widespread power outages, and canceled flights from Arizona to New England. What happens in Texas doesn't stay in Texas. (laughs) No. The Texas electric grid has so far... Mostly held up in the historic heat, but its biggest failures so far this summer have come from fossil-fueled power plants that overheat. KCAA Loma Linda. The legacy KCAA 1050 AM and Express 106.5 FM. NBC News Radio. I'm Brian Shook. Parts of the U.S. are once again seeing smoky conditions.